Video Chicken Live. We are live. It is February 9th. We have a guest today that I'm very excited about, so we are in for a treat. Let's get it started. It's time for video chicken. Don't hit the lights. What is wrong with you? To my left, co-host, chickenista, chicken expert, Kristen. Today is going to be an awesome show. Look at goosebumps. Coyotes are everywhere. What's going on, Kristen? Oh, I was just getting my uh, chicken poop necklace. Uh, can I get some? Oh, someone's already pooped. Ingrid's like doing her job. Ask and you may receive. Ingrid is on it. Don't blame it on me. Oxygen is the solution to foul Oh, oh, I just felt it on my back. It's warm and, and oh god. I knew I was gonna have serious problems that like the coop remained that much better than the house forever. You, the coop is beautiful, by the way. I, I'm not trying to plug your products by any means. Please do. Let's uh, give me give me a makeup kit. You know, I'll, I'll be nice and pretty for the crows. Oh, so let's pull out another chicken. This is like a magic trick. I'm up to one o'clock already. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we have a new Ingrid. Memo. I missed the memo. You know a lot of people who do raise rabbits alongside their chickens. Why would you wait till the last minute to pull out your homework? Have we to... met before? Yep, that's a good one with the, with the court and everything. This falls right off, and he regrows <laughs> a new one the following spring. Calm but, down, Matt. But... Calm down. <laughs> Why? This is a really interesting show. Oh, yes, oh, second. oh, it's, see? Yeah. My, uh, my fault. I love it. Cindy, you just earned yourself a shirt. I love that. <laughs> yes, Matt, you are right. <gasps> I had no idea what to expect when we opened up that box, and this is why we love what we do. That's my goal, is to really bring people together through chickens. The power of chickens. So <laughs> What's going on, guys? Yes, we are live February 9th, 2024. Did I hear a little bit of squeaking going on? I did, too. I heard that. Make me a little nervous. Make I sure know. we sound good. Boy, today's not the day to have any follow-ups with... How are you uh, today technology um foul up am i wrong <laughs> that was good right that was a good one so many good puns um, in the chicken world i'm feeling better i was I'll, I'll be honest with you as always i was a little worried about this morning because there's so much going on you uh, say that every week <laughs> is it not you know so, you know you're real busy i guess when there's people standing out in the lobby waiting for a job and it's our non-production day you're like oh, it's busy around here i'm like this is our slow day but um <laughs> No, I'm doing good. Yourself, Kristen? How are we doing I am today? I'm doing good. Thank you for showing up to the emergency meeting today. Yeah, I did uh, have a coyote in the yard this morning. <gasps> oh, no. That's twice now. Yeah. So what's going on? Uh, we need to have that show about the electric wire. And set it up at your house? Yeah. Okay. We can do that. Like pronto. You're getting a free electric setup. That's what you're doing here. Very smart on your part. Uh, Ingrid is here, as yes. always. How are you doing today, Ingrid? I'm okay. <laughs> just okay it's it's been a morning um so ingrid made a huge announcement right before the show i, I heard like, all the cheering when i went to go get coffee i think it was what only I, I think it was only me cheering and what's funny about what well, ingrid said like a crowd. <laughs> i hear that a lot is actually our guest today um uh, is not just any guest um i was reading into her uh, profile is that what you would we call have a this background check oh, oh yeah i ran a background check da 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 um <laughs> Wow. So can't wait to start telling you about today, but she also comes from Chewy. And Ingrid said that Chewy is ready to start Monday morning. Well, they say they're ready to start. Then we go. It's kick. It's it's Monday after the Super Bowl. There's no better time to get started with another 
<laughs> yes. Chaos. I just I want to I want to see everything before. Get the mic in front of you. We want to hear need, you. I need to have eyes on it first. So you're gonna be here Tuesday morning because we're not here Monday morning. Yeah, I, I heard that little tidbit too from the, the call. Super Bowl hangover day. We, you know, we're the, so we just hired someone, thank God, and we're like, yeah, we'll see you Monday morning. And Jesse, thank God, he goes, well, we're not here Monday morning. I was like, oh yeah, and he's like, what do you mean you're not going to be here? Like, who works the day after the Super Bowl? Oh my God. So, but you're you, making all of us work. Yeah, you gave me stuff for taking off Friday after Thanksgiving, which. Like every yeah, employer, who takes off Black Friday? We every, got work every, to do. Everybody takes off that. Like no. employers always give that day off. Uh, you should just be quiet. It doesn't make you look good. Yeah, it really doesn't. What doesn't make me look good? <laughs> Never mind. I'll tell you later. What? No, tell me now. <laughs> Making your employees work the day after Thanksgiving. Who said I was? Oh wait, 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 wait! Don't get defensive. Okay, I'm not getting defensive. I'm going. asking a question. Let's keep going. We actually, for the record, didn't have to work this year. Thank you. Yeah, but the previous year we did. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we even paid for it, but no, that was Christmas and Christmas Eve. Anyways, so Chewy's going to start Monday. The office has the option to shut down, but production will be shut down uh, because it's the day after the Super Bowl. That is the day that most people call in sick is the day after the Super Bowl. And we have our company Super Bowl party, which you guys are going to. Is that a documented thing that that is the day or is that just like a madism? That's madism. Okay. <laughs> just want to know. <laughs> just wanted to get the clarification. We're in, we're in world. I know. Yes, you are. All right, so so today. I've been really looking forward to today. I am. So here's the thing about today is we have a veterinarian in the house, okay? And not just any veterinarian. We have an avian expert that has done some really cool stuff. Lots of Look, cool stuff. Look, I got stuff. goosebumps. Yeah, it's like One amazing. Of them, I think it's just because it's cold. And One of them, I'm so, it is pretty cold. And <laughs> One of them, I'm so jealous. We need to get this done. I want to write a book. Oh, yeah, she's the got a book. The Art of Coop Building, or whatever it's going to be called. Someone's going to steal that from me now. Um, she's from Yale University. When we think of Yale, I I, I know Ingrid's going to get mad at me, but I got some very interesting questions. I would love to know if it's true or not about Yale. When we think of Yale, what comes to mind? Yeah, I know you guys weren't going to catch that one. Um, she went to Tufts for her veterinary school. But hold on, we're getting to Tufts, but Yale? The Bonesman? That's pretty cool. I cannot wait to find out if there's any experience with the Bonesmen. Um, some of our pre we've had presidents that go to Yale. Mm -hmm. um, so we have Dr. Lori Hess, yes. who um, is a veterinarian, and she specializes with uh, avian, right? Avian and exotic. A and exotic, which is also really cool because I love You the love exotic. your lizards and stuff and your I, snakes well, and such. I have a question about that, but I'll, I'll hold it. Okay. You have a question about what, though? Whether or not she's... Why do we have exotics like pigeons, pet pigeons and bunnies are considered exotics, but Great. they're really not exotic. Well, I don't know. Great question. So here's where behind the scenes at Carolina Coops, what's the first thing we do? We got to Google the definition of exotic. So we all get on the yeah, same page. We'll, we'll ask her. Uh, yeah. So we're going to have Lori coming in here in about maybe about five minutes. I hope you guys are all doing well. Thank you for being here again. We are live. Oh, she's got a hard stop. So oh, oh, I didn't know. When were you going to fill me in on the hard stop? Well, if you were here at the pre-meeting, you would have heard oh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm running a business. <laughs> trying well, to I'm running plug a show, holes. so I'm... And so I'm just here for the fun of it. Okay, so we should probably go <laughs> ahead and get started. Yes. So what time is... Um... She's got to be out of here by one. 
You can't go having her on like and for we, hours. Okay, and hours. so one p.m. That's a good hard stop. That's I've usually. I've got one... a hard stop today at five p.m. No, you don't. I have a hard <laughs> stop at one o five. No, you guys don't. <laughs> All right, so we'll get. Uh, Boy, that was easy. We'll get Dr. Lori Hassan here. Now, here's the other thing that I love about having a vet in. I would like to think this is the end all be all buck stops here. I don't care what everyone says. I don't care what their opinions are. I don't care what they read online. If a vet says this, like we, you know, we've done with Dr. Crespo and I think we're going to mm -hmm. do it again today. It's like, there's no arguing with that. So I can't wait because God knows. And I tell people, do your research. But I feel like, and I hope um, Dr. Lori is going to say the same thing. She's like, oh my gosh, Matt, yeah, you won't believe what people read. And then they bring their pets in. It's like, oh God, I got to re-educate them and what now we've seen that to be very true with chickens mm -hmm. yes 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 Matt, we have there's but... so much information and there's so much bad information yeah it's hard to sort through it all so brought to you by carolina coops live today is dr Lori hess let's go ahead and bring her in from the green okay, room you gotta squish together oh yeah that's right We're... well we gotta come into the middle there she is good morning <coughs> or good afternoon dr Lori. um how are you doing squish today I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Um, we might just have to tweak her audio a little bit. But um, where are you uh, sitting right now? I'm sitting in Connecticut. Okay, so it's East Coast. Awesome. East Coast. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you so uh, thank you so much for being here. I did want to go down and, and, and do this intro because I think it's important for people to realize you're pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, Smart and cool. You're pretty cool. <laughs> so you've been um you've been on Animal Planet. You've mm -hmm. been on CNN. You've been on the CBS mm -hmm. Morning Show. I am so mm -hmm. jealous. Uh you've been on the Martha Stewart show. Um 48 hours Fox and Friends. We were just on Fox and Friends. I know some people kind of hated us for it, but whatever. Um not sure what Windy City Live. I got to believe that's, that's in, Chicago. Yep. And yeah, Go LA. Bears. 48 hours. Um and then you've also written some news. books. So I have to believe when it comes to today, you know, we're, we're a chicken show, so we're going to really talk about chickens. At least I'm going to try to. I ain't going to lie to you. I know. I got some, I mean, my main coon. Some reptile oh my gosh. But I got some. Hit me. Whatever you want to ask me. And my heart's pop ended, so I can say as long as you want me to chat. Oh, I don't know if you. I don't know if you wanted. To yeah, do I don't that. know if you. You might yeah. want to wait it on that one, Lori. Yeah. So <laughs> well, to, so video chicken live. Yeah, thank you so no thank stop. you so much for being here. <laughs> oh, also, and I can't remember if I mentioned this. Um, Dr. Lori is a uh, is a customer. That's right. Yeah. There is. I mean, I love every customer. Pending customer. She hasn't gotten her coop yet. But but yeah, it's, she's, it's, she's on yeah. the list. Yes. She's ready to go. Yes, that's right. Um, there is be there is no better compliment as far as I'm concerned yes. when a veterinarian, especially with these credentials, says, I choose Carolina Coops. I choose them because of what I believe in, my practice, what I've learned, what's best for the animals. This is why I'm going to choose Carolina Coops. So there is no better compliment. So thank you so much for that. How did you Absolutely. choose Carolina Coops for your coop? How did you hear about well, I, I knew of you, and then when we were all cooped up during the COVID pandemic, I have up. to say, Matt, we watched every single video you have ever made. I made my family watch. We just sat there and watched and watched, and I thought, like, this is what I want to do. We're, we didn't even own the house that I'm sitting in right now where my coop is actually going to get shipped to at that time, but I knew that I wanted to have chickens. I treat them all day long, but I didn't have my own at the time. And uh, so after many iterations of the coop, um, I'm 
happy to say we now have a house and a place to put it and uh hopefully it's coming soon so right. just really excited. you guys do things the right way and, and i really wanted to do it the right way and keep my my chickens healthy and happy well, oh, thank, thank you, you so much for that. So that's obviously, again, this is brought to you by Carolina Coops. So we might boast a little bit about what Carolina Coops does, but this show is about, I want to educate people, and that's been our philosophy. Educate the customer on chickens, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying we're the end-all, be-all, but we are. Let's face it. But I want to back that up, and that's why we do this show. And I always want to challenge people. Think a little bit about what did chickens do before Coops were invented, Talk to the veterinarians, read some books, be careful of what you are reading and watching online. There is some good information, there's some bad information. I like to think Video Chicken Live mm -hmm. is probably the best source of information, but we bring it to you. So everyone that's listening right now, this is your time. If you have any questions for Dr. Lori Haas, now is the time. A little pro tip, type question if you could so that we see it because we see all the comments coming in, mm -hmm. uh, which are so important. If you don't have any questions, please give us a wave, say hi, let us know where you're watching from and do everything you can to promote the show, especially by sharing the show. So again, let's, uh, Lori, thank you for being here and where would you like to start since you are running the show? Are you talking to me? Yo, that's ah. you. So let's go um, right on with a question. Okay. We have it from Don. Yeah. Don's asking, what is the best way to treat bumblefoot? Um, it really depends on how bad it is. So when it's really, really mild, you can clean off the bottom of the foot and you want to increase the amount of bedding you have because bumblefoot often occurs as a pressure sore, basically, when you don't have enough bedding um, and the foot is constantly in contact with a hard surface. Um, bumblefoot is something, though, I will say that if it gets bad enough, you do need to see a vet because often it needs to be surgically dealt with and, you know, the dead tissue needs to be taken off and they can get infections, you know, not just pressure sores, but actually infected pressure sores. So sometimes you do need to have some surgery done, some bandaging done, um, and sometimes even antibiotics. So it just depends on how bad it is. Right, I'd so recommend if it gets bad to your vet. So okay. I am so glad you started with that question because um, I can't believe there's not one in here. There Don't say right it. There. Don't blow it. Can I please have it's it right in my possession? Kristen. It's next to Kristen, Kristen on the floor. Please. Oh, there it is. I knew we had one in here. Um, <laughs> Dr. Lori, I would like to show you something that came to us as a recommendation from another avian vet. And a uh, little messy in here. We get a little crazy sometimes. Yeah. Um, here is an example of a roost bar that we love, our customers love, and it's to help prevent bumblefoot. And I love something you just said, pressure sore. Because that's, I've never heard it put that way. We've always been taught, at least I've always read, that a lot of it is because of them constantly working, scratching. There's a high probability. They're, their feet are going to get a little rough and it might get cut. Um, and from that cut, if it can't heal, it can get infected and create that staph infection. And one of the reasons for a roped wrap roost bar is to help that cut to heal because they're not on a flat, hard surface, that there's air to get around there. But a pressure sore, this will help prevent that constant, consistent pressure where we're going to have some irregularities. Would you also agree with that statement? 
Absolutely. And I do like, and I will say for my own coop, which is coming soon, I have those, I have ordered those ah. roost bars. Um, I like the idea that there's air circulating under the foot so that when there's moisture, if it gets, you know, if it's very humid out, that you don't have that constant moist bottom of the foot touching the perch. Um, and, and believe it or not, I mean, just you can imagine that if you have a really bad sore on the bottom of your foot, we actually create these little donut shaped bandages. So we take, we put it, we have the, the sore in the, in the middle, right in the metatarsal pad, as it's called. And then we have a donut shaped bandage around so that the center of the donut actually has air right there. And it's not even in touch with anything. So this is a nice way to start you know, to try to prevent it from happening, or if it's early on, if it gets really bad, you actually have to lift the, the whole foot away from the perch, but that's great. Yeah, yeah this is, I'm real big on prevention. So I think we just got another vet on record, I hope, approving <laughs> this yeah. idea. Cause you know, here's the thing. Um, and we got some announcements to make and this is one of them that I have always said for years, I don't want to sell a, something to a customer that they don't need. And rope wrap roost bars, we've always said, you don't really need it. You can just do a regular roost bar. But what we've learned, and what I mean by regular is just a flat piece of wood, right? And I'm sure 90% of the people still, that's what they do. But it is important to have prevention. And these have become very popular that we have made a decision once we switch to, we got to make sure we talk about this other material again, Acre, that every chicken coop is now going to come with a rope wrap roost bar. And I flipped, see, and thank you. I flipped on it because why not have prevention? You know what I mean? So that is coming, and I'm so glad to hear that. So that was a great start right there, Ingrid. Okay, good, good. We have more questions. Yes, fire, keep them coming. Okay, so Catherine asks, is there any truth to the benefits of adding apple cider vinegar, hot pepper flakes, or oregano to chicken feet? That's a great question. We get this one and I know there are three different things yeah. for three different treatments. Yeah, there are different ideas. I mean, apple cider vinegar, we use a lot, whether it's with chickens or even with parrots. Um, it can basically change the pH of the water, and it actually can prevent some yeast infections from growing on. Um, it's something that uh, we use all the time. I mean, it certainly, as long as your chickens will drink it and they like it, you don't want to deter them. So you have to kind of watch and make sure that they're still drinking. Um Hot pepper flakes. I mean, there's all kinds of theories about that. And I, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Matt, what do you think about that? I I am a less is more, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, even, even with the apple cider vinegar, which, you know, I might flip on this as well because it seems like I am taking eight of those pills every day. I don't know what happens when you get older, but apparently my pH is off. And you know, the, the it pH does... has always been off, Matt. <laughs> yeah, it. you're a little saucy too. It, it helps with my heartburn, which... Or does it? No, it does. Oh, oh God, okay. yeah. So, and I guess that's a better way of helping to prevent heartburn. I guess that's what happens when you get old. I don't know. I thought it was just the new pizza down here. Um, so I have become more of a fan about apple cider vinegar. But here's what I've seen. And here's why I want to talk about this. I feel like some people think more is better and they overuse it. Mm-hmm. And we even had the worst case scenario, which I can't say this enough, especially with our heated water systems or the, with the de-icer. And I, we got to stop saying heated because it's just meant to thaw, but it doesn't mean the water should get warm. Well, there are heaters out there where the water's getting mm-hmm. up to like 120 degrees and she kept dumping apple cider vinegar in there. And it was just growing. 
and clogging everything. It was and I fermenting. Could, yes, I couldn't figure out what was going on with her system until I finally went out there. As soon as I put my hand on the rain barrel, I was like, oh, this ain't right. Um, Dr. Lori, can you tell us if we have our most common size water container that we sell is 50 gallons and it can fluctuate depending on if you're collecting rainwater or not or whatever. Give us your recipe if you could. If someone wanted to use apple cider vinegar, they're just adamant, got to use it, and I got 50 gallons, how would you go about with the thought process of using apple cider vinegar in the water? How much? Well, I will I will say I, I generally agree with you. I'm not a big fan of adding anything to water. Um, and there's all kinds of theories about all these different things you can add. But they're not, you know, unless you're changing your water really, really frequently, things can grow. Um, and things can get clogged. And a lot of times animals don't like what you add to the water. And even if you're well-intentioned and you actually deter them from drinking the water. So I think, you know, if you absolutely, absolutely have to add it, I have to look up. I don't know at the top of my head because I don't use it that much, but it's just a really small amount. Um, and, and the thing is, if you're using like the rain barrel system where, you know, you have water in there for a long time, I don't love the idea of putting it into the barrel because it's going to sit in the barrel and it's not like you can you know, take that out quickly. So it's depending upon your water system. I, I think it's difficult. I mean, if you have some, if you were, if you had still water that you were going to change every day, because I think you should be changing it every day if you're going to add something in there. I don't think it should be kind of recirculating like that. And, okay. and certainly mm -hmm. like, I love the rain barrel system and I'm, it's something that I want my own coop to have and I'm planning on doing that. It, and having fresh water that way is great, but putting something in that's going to recirculate that might grow uh -huh. you know, bacteria or anything like that. I don't think I would do that. So maybe in a secondary water, if you do. Yeah, if you need to water. treat. Yeah. I mean, what is the point? Okay. Or maybe not. Because some people, a lot of people think they have to have the vinegar as a form of prevention. But again, I see it as like you're creating more problems. Yeah. yeah. What do you use that to treat in parrots or when would you use it? Yeah, it you used to be. Oh, yeast. You said yeast. I'm sorry. Yeast infections. And <laughs> yeah. we don't use it anymore. So it's kind okay. of an old fashioned thing. I mean, some people, again, swear by it and absolutely have to have it. But if you're going to put anything in your water like that, you really need to change the whole water container every day because okay. things do grow in there. And, and, and that's the point. So okay. I think if you have a fresh water system and it's moving around and it's recirculating like that, you don't really need to add anything to the water. In fact, I, I, I'm not planning to do that to my own. Hmm. Moving around and circulating. Mm. Sounds very familiar to now, one of for, for hot pepper flakes. I, I had a deer coming uh, and eating out of my free range feed. So I put some hot pepper flakes in there. For and then I noticed, uh, and squirrels too. Yeah. Uh, but then I noticed that the yolks got darker. So. Yeah, anything that you put in there. I mean, some people say birds in general just like hot pepper and it's a flavor that they like. I don't know that that's true necessarily with chickens. Um, so again, it, it's not a bad thing if your chickens like it, if you want to sprinkle a little something and you think they're enjoying it, but I don't think it's something you have to do medically. Okay, right. it's not going to help with anything. No, like right. Keep them healthier. Same with oregano. Or? Oregano is supposed to be like an, an antibiotic properties, oh, yeah. antibacterial. Yeah. Or... Again, I don't. I think these are all kinds of things that people try. Mm -hmm. I think keeping your coop super clean, having fresh water, fresh feed, spot cleaning. Those are the things that are going to deter illness, um, and not necessarily any kind of magical stuff you're going to put on the feed or okay. the water. Okay. So a good healthy you know sunshine just like us you know eat well get outside you know well see now here so here, you gotta get to the root of the problem right 
And what I hear again is, and it seems like the Western style of thinking is to always treat something instead of focusing on the prevention. Yeah. And that drives me nuts. Doesn't it just make sense that prevention? And when you really think about it, that's what our coops are doing. And it's like why I flipped on the rope wrap roost bar. It's like prevention is important. It is now needed. And I know people are going to be like, I don't want to buy those. You don't need that. But, but, you know, you can easily make the argument that prevention is so important. Absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you guys are just joining us, we have Dr. Lori Hess on. If you have any questions about, she's an avian expert. She's a vet. She has her own practice. So anybody that's in the Westchester area, she is um, at the Veterinary Center for Birds and Exotics in Bedford Hills, New York. So if you're in Westchester and you're looking for help for your chicken or your exotic pets or your macaw or your lizard yeah so what, see, and uh, i will put these links on on, a, on the show notes yeah that would be awesome so and, please and her book so oh, chickens gosh. are not really exotic why do we call them exotics yeah they are they are i mean anything <laughs> that is considered an exotic animal oh, okay and okay. i've got a lot about 15 years ago when i said i'm gonna open an animal hospital that doesn't treat dogs or cats and just treats birds and exotics and they were like oh you can't do that and you're never gonna make it or whatever and so now <laughs> i have four vets working six days a week on call 24 7 ah. and we see we see birds and exotic animals everything other than dogs and cats from new york new jersey connecticut all, pennsylvania all over the place yeah because there's not a lot about a lot of people like you around a lot of practices right. like yeah, that so right. i'm sure so, people drive in yeah how what kind of exotic pets do you treat and what what is your practice well, is it mostly bird or is it you've got like half reptile or well it, it's a little bit of everything okay lots and lots of birds and lots of chickens so many backyard chickens okay I can't tell you what's yeah, your so most common problem you see with chickens when people come in with their chickens egg binding egg binding terrible Tell us, please. So, Tell us what yeah. egg, what we call egg bound or egg binding, and what can we do? What causes it? And what prevents it? How can you yeah. recognize it? Yeah. So what we see a lot of is, you know, people love chickens. They're great. Um, we yeah. impulse buy, and this is true with any kind of exotic pet. Like it's adorable. It's so different. I gotta have one. And we know that like chickens are an illness. You have one, and then you want another, and another, and you want another breed. And I don't you know, know about you get illness. All, all <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Obsession. We prefer obsession, Lori. Enthusiasts. <laughs> yeah, they don't always do their research. And, you know, you know, and you've preached this in the videos that I've watched you in, too. You know, you need to make sure that chickens get a lot of sunlight. Um, they need to have ultraviolet light to make vitamin D in their skin. And then they need that vitamin D to absorb calcium from their food. So we have to make sure that they're on the right um type of diet for their stage of life, you know, whether they're, they're starting and growing or they're laying, which is a big part of their life, or they're just, you know, slowing down and in that maintenance phase and, and the nutrients in their diet changes change. And so, and also if you're not giving them enough calcium, then, you know, they're not necessarily having enough calcium to lay those eggs. So what we see a lot of is that people are well-intentioned and they may start them on one type of food and not realize that when they start laying eggs, they need layer food, which has more calcium and more mm, nutrition, right. more protein, you know, to appropriate for egg laying. So unfortunately, a lot of people, and they also don't give supplemental calcium, oyster shell grit, which I'm a big fan of. 
and um, they don't necessarily get outside enough to get enough ultraviolet light. So it's a combination of all those things. And when an egg is made in the body, the last thing that happens on the way out the door <laughs> is uh, that that shell is put on. And so the yolk is laid on first and, and all the protein around it, the, the egg white, and then the, the shell goes on last. If you don't have enough calcium in your body, you make that yolk and you make that egg white and then it gets stuck inside. And that's what egg binding most commonly when we see it in chickens is. So, okay. Yeah. So fascinating. And I can't, honest to God, I can't believe I didn't think of this before, but just connecting more dots. Something I've said, and, and I get how, why some people argue with me about this. I think I've even did a video. If I didn't, we got to do it. I have told people, if you are having any problems with your chickens, one of the best ways, no matter what it is, I don't care what it is, but there is such a high potential. I'm talking extreme high potential to help fix it by just doing one thing. Open up the door to your run. Let the chickens free range. They know what they need. If they need to go find calcium, they'll find calcium or there's a variety of the food source. They know when they need sun. They know when they need the dust bath. And so many people are like, well, I got predators. But I'm like... Okay, I get it, and I never want to see an animal ever get lost to predation, but we potentially are causing more harm by keeping them in, in the runs, even though, yes, I promote big runs and then, you know, give them access when the sun is coming up, they'll get out in the sun, but you see a lot of these smaller, what I call coop coffins, and they're, again, all the right intentions, but they actually make things worse, and that's just taking it a step further, how important it is to get that vitamin D, to get that sunlight, and then on the flip side, Think about all those chickens, and we already know factory farming isn't the greatest for chickens. We do it because it keeps the cost low and convenience, this and that. They're not getting any sunlight. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if things weren't already bad enough, I just never put those two together. That's just even worse. Uh, yeah, and you guys, you guys have a, a great idea. I mean, I'm, I'm always worried about predators, and, you know, we're also worried a little bit about avian influenza. It's a big mm -hmm. disease that's out mm -hmm. there, and it's carried by wild birds. So one of the things that I'm doing with my coop is I, I have the extended run and then I want the, my chickens to be able to free range around that run. So I'm going to do a little a little mesh over the top um, where sunlight can still get down in through and they can still, you know, have wonderful fresh air and sunlight and have some free range. But they're also protected from predators and from wild birds that might want to come land, you know, in that in their area. So there's a balance and we can work through it. But um, it's a big deal. You know, you have to be aware of avian influenza but you also have to make sure your your animals are getting enough sunlight so right. for the egg binding how would you recognize that and how would you treat it well i think the biggest complaint that we hear when people bring their chickens in and, and it's tough you have to pay attention to your chickens you know if you, with your dog or your cat it's in your house and you know oh they're not eating or you know he looks off today you have to really look at your chickens. Are they eating right? Are they moving around? Are they, are they squawking? Are they playing? Are they interacting? Or are they really lethargic? And one of the big things that we see is that, you know, people don't catch that initially because maybe they're not looking as carefully as they should. Um, they also, people don't notice, you know, when maybe one or more chickens stops laying. You know, I mean, it's hard. They're all in there together. They're sharing nest boxes, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you know if one just like stops laying? So Sometimes we hear, oh, she stopped laying. Um, I think it was like a few months ago. I'm not really sure. 
And what ends up happening with egg binding often is, as I said before, they lay that yolk inside and they lay mm -hmm. that egg white around it. And then it just doesn't come out, but you don't notice because they're all sharing a nest box and, you know, who knows. Yeah. And then when we actually look at these chickens, they have these big bellies and, mm -hmm. and we see and we can feel it, but we can also use an ultrasound machine, you know, like on a pregnant woman um, to see those little round yolks stuck inside. And they're all, they're laying them, but they're not coming out. Okay. So that's a really common presentation. So I, I, what I'm hearing is that um, Lori has made the argument for the helicopter chicken mom. So I feel completely vindicated <laughs> and totally, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, you're right. And the lazy chicken owner that I am, yeah, um, I, I'm feeling really bad right I'll, now. I'll, I could I, have egg-bound chickens that I don't even know about. And, it, and it's, I think the other thing that is important to mention is that it's hard with chickens because they are um, – prey animals they're prey they're so used to hiding their illnesses so That's even right. with a small flock like i have it relative to Kristen, um for example um <laughs> but well i mean i love Kristen have because she's given me such amazing chickens too so in the middle of the night or during the day but no you're right they but hide they, they, that they're yeah they hide from because they yeah. they hide it from predators but they also hide it because they get picked on from their own flock right and usually so, by the time you see it it's way too late yeah and i i'm always like that i come in and i'm like oh you know this one's isolating because i can always tell like the isolating kind of behavior where when i go out there they usually all come around me and if one kind of hangs back and stuff like that so um i mean i've clearly worried too much about ones that were ended up being fine so, but That's there's a lot of times I've been able to tell that something was going on and uh, a lot of it has been, in my experience, it's been reproductive disease because yeah. they are um, egg layers. They're, you know, the Rhode Island Reds, the, the ones that are made to lay a lot of eggs very quickly in their life can have a shortened life just having like basically cancer of, of their oviduct. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you just want to make sure you look for, you know, it's, as I said, not knowing who's laying is, is one thing, but just looking, as, as Ingrid said, you know, when they're sick, they are prey and they do try to hide, but sometimes they can't hide it. So they fluff up and they try to trap warm air between their feathers and their bodies. It's like having a fever. Mm -hmm. So if you see a fluffed up looking chicken, if they're, you know, hanging their heads, um, if they're, their comb and their waddles can look really, really either pale or very, very red because they're dehydrated. I mean, those are all signs that, you know, there's something going on and it may or may not be egg binding, but it's something that you want to be aware of and you want to address right away and not wait because, you know, they will get pecked on by their neighbors. Um, and um, sometimes they get parasite ridden too because they're not feeling great and they're not, you know, cleaning themselves off the way they should. We chickens are very clean. And when yes. you see parasites on them, something's wrong. So things to keep in mind. So that is the value of the chicken check. Yes. yes, the chicken check. And uh, how would you treat egg-bound chickens, or is there a treatment? Is there any oh, yeah, saving them? Treatment. Yeah, they, it just it depends on kind of how, where we are. I mean, sometimes they do form that shell, and it they can't actually push it out. So they actually have a uterus uh, mm -hmm. as part of their. They have an oviduct and a uterus, and um, if they get enough calcium and the, and the shell can be formed, they can push it out. So we start giving them calcium, and we give them vitamin D injections too. Um, if they are not able to form the shell, unfortunately, the only way to get it out 
is to do surgery, which most people don't want to do, um, unfortunately. So it, it is something that it's really hard because sometimes, you know, it's, it's a big deal to fix. Um, we're happy when we can feel the eggshell uh, that's forming and give them more calcium. And then, you know, the uterus is a muscle, so it needs calcium to contract. And with a little added calcium, sometimes we can push that, that egg out or we can extract it. It's when it's really deep inside with no shell that we actually have to go into the belly surgically and take mm. it out. No, yeah, right. we have more. Okay, so if you are just joining us, we are live February 9th, 2024. Dr. Lori Hess has joined us today. Again, thank you so much. What a treat to have her here. We have a chicken expert. She is an avian expert. That's her specialty as a veterinarian. And I think she pretty much said, yeah, they are exotic. I didn't hear what defined them as exotic. Anything I, but dog or cat. Anything yeah. but dog or cat is right? considered an exotic. Very and not farm, probably. Very and interesting. Not it's not a animal. So if you have any if you have any questions today is the day please ask away and I love that you guys are following the uh, pro tip type in question that way Ingrid sees it yeah <laughs> and gets it in and real quick yes Fish and Matt Ryan I agree with Benjamin I was actually thinking we had so much fun last week guessing how many nipples that were in that jar we need to do another contest and. I, I was thinking the same thing. How oh, yeah. many feet of rope on a rope wrap Bruce Bar would blow people's mind how much it is. So we will have to definitely do that next week, yeah. which you will be here. Yes. Okay, good. I uh, also want to mention um, Dr. Hess's book, which is a, a memoir called Unlikely Companions, The Adventures of an Exotic Animal Doctor. You just took my closing away from me. There's well, no I'm better way than to finish with the book. But that's okay. Go ahead. One more time. Well, I won't mention it again, but, you know, people come in, they leave. I want to make that sure that true. everybody. You, that's fair. That is fair. Yes. If you're playing a drinking game, we got to know what day it is. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. That is the joke every time I give the day. But that's because Ingrid tells me to, I thought. All right. Yes. Next questions. Okay. So E. Stormy says, my leg bar went from the sweetest baby in the flock, one of them, to pretty much pecking me every chance she gets. Is there a way or method I could do to reverse that? Well, that's a really good question. Um, and the first thing I tell people is that when you notice a change, you know your chickens, right? You know your pets. They all have different personalities, which I don't think everyone appreciates, you know, different chickens. Some, there is a pecking order often, you know, where mm -hmm. some are more dominant. Um, but if you see a change in the pecking order, if you see a change in one of your chickens' behavior, the first thing you need to make sure is that that chicken isn't sick because they may be not feeling well, they may just feel you know, overly protective and, and um, be aggressive because they're not feeling great. So check out things a little more carefully, look at them, make sure they're not sick, make sure there's nothing going on. Um, is she being picked on by other birds in the flock? Is she acting more aggressive to you because she's being defensive? So there's a lot of reasons for behavior changes. You know, some of them are truly medical things and, and it's not something I can answer really simply, but you have to look into it a little bit more carefully and figure out, is this a behavior thing? Is this a pecking order thing? Um, or is there something medical going on? That's what I would recommend checking out first. I've seen a lot of different um, pecking order changes in my flock. I had one that was the lowest that decided to go after the top girl to be, to, she kind of like, it was like a jailhouse thing. She kind of just said, I'm going to pick on the, the strongest one and I'm going to pick on her. And then all of a sudden she was left fine and it changed the pecking order. And I also, you know, I've seen different ones as my one bird is aging out. I see my other one that's next to her in line kind of being the one that's the keeping order as the other one is, is kind of just being like a quiet leader type of thing so it's it does change throughout 
your flock's history too. And sometimes like ones that would squat for me and let me pick them up all of a sudden don't. So sometimes, and sometimes it's just behavioral. It's just something going on and it's not always something sick, but it's a good point to always look to make sure that they're okay. That's sometimes they're just moody. We all have bad days. I mean, yeah. if they're a little brutal one day or, you know, <laughs> they didn't sleep well, they may not feel great. If it's something persistent though, I would definitely, you know, look into it a little deeper. Okay. Um, do, uh, do you want to bring in the, the next question? Mm -hmm. I see so many, there's so many and we're yeah. already at 1238 and Dr. Lord, I appreciate you said you don't have a hard deadline, but we do want to respect your time so much. So I don't know if we want to Okay, so do, my... I don't know if we're ready for our rapid fire or no. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Not yet. So, okay, yeah, good. So if you definitely leave your questions in there. So Gina, question. My chickens spend more time eating their dust bath instead of taking a dust bath. I've never heard of that before. Is it safe for them to eat ash, DE, and sand? Interesting. Um, the short answer is no, not excited about their, their eating it. Um, we do see, you know, some chickens or, and animals in general will eat things they shouldn't and they get an impaction. Um, and sand is something that we do see them get impacted with. So what I would recommend is either one of two things. You could leave the dust bath in and, you know, see if they use it and then take it out so that they don't have access to it all the time or change what you're using to give them a dust bath. I mean, you can use sand, you can use ash, you can use diatomaceous earth, you can use, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that you can use. Um, and they really shouldn't be eating it. It's probably not a great thing. So, you know, maybe just give it to them for a limited time or, or change what you're using and see if they do it with something else. Yeah, because one thought that I I would have is I wonder if they're not free ranging and that's all they have for grit. Yeah, that's and that that's is why it can I cannot emphasize enough if you cannot free range, which you can, everyone can free range. So, anyways, but if you insist you're not going to free range, make sure that is all they have, folks. That is their outdoors. Mm -hmm. They got to have everything. You got to bring it all to them. Exactly. So that would be Absolutely. something I would think about. And so, and, and Dr. Lori, you mentioned something that I, I we might as well just get into right now because this is a question we get all the time. Drives me nuts. Would love your opinion. And you just hit on it a little bit. When it comes to putting the substrate inside the run area for your chickens, do you see any benefit at all to sand inside the run? I'm not a big, huge fan of sand because I do see them eat it. Um, I think, you know, people do use it for dust baths and I think it's fine if they're not eating it, but I have seen them eat it. Hmm. So I do think it's really important, as you said, for them to be able to forage and peck and dig and you need some kind of substrate in that run so that you know they could do that. that that's their natural behavior and they need to peck at insects and dirt and you know people love to have their coops look beautiful and have these oh. like pristine looking you know floors but that's not what chickens do i mean they dig and they peck and they like to pick up little worms and stuff you got to give them a chance to do those natural behaviors perfect so yes. well done so pretty Thank much you. what i did is i just set you up for our next year's audio bite because i can't emphasize that enough <laughs> that'll be there at the beginning of the show it drives me nuts and there's even i'm not going to name names i wish i would i would love to bring her on and, and not necessarily have a debate, but I want to, I'd love to hear both sides of the story. And there are experts out there that insist if you are not putting sand.
sand. And when I say put sand in your run, I'm talking about they, they fill the whole entire run. Like they're on a freaking yeah, beach. We're not fans it is of that. Re- not at no. all. It's it's stupid. It's not what the chickens yeah. want. And I just well, saw, again, recently another post where people are believing what she's saying. She's like, oh, yeah, if you're not doing sand, you're a horrible chicken owner. I would owner. think that the beneficial microbes aren't present in sand like they are. It's in, too sterile. It's yeah. stupid. Yeah. To break down those that's, droppings. But that's just my The gut. other thing about sand, too, is that sand is slippery. And we've all seen leg, you know, deformities in, in chickens that splay leg. You know, when they're standing yeah. on something that doesn't have good traction, they splay. And once they splay, you can't really fix that so easily and without a lot of surgery. So you want good footing. You want something that's mm. slippery and going to slip around underneath their feet. What are you going to put in your run? Oh, I'm going to put a bunch of kind of mulch and leaves and all kinds of fun stuff. She's been watching. She's right on point. Been watching our videos. And I, I also well, say you asked me why I chose you, and you yeah. said all the right things to me. In Aww. fact, I made my entire family watch. We had a big snowstorm in the Northeast, and I told you we watched all the videos during uh, the COVID pandemic when we were locked inside. We just watched them all again. Oh, <laughs> that, nice. that, like, that that is yeah. awesome. Uh, and speaking of videos, again, I want to get to everyone's questions, but there's another one that I would love to hear uh, Dr. Lori's opinion. But real quick, before I forget, anyone vis- uh, listening out in my office, not is not checking your text, can I please have someone bring me in a glass of water or a cup of coffee? I need something. Um, she's not seeing the text, so please bring that in. Uh, okay, a video came out recently. Did we watch it? The Carolina Coops, the AC one. I did. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to say I flipped on it, but it was fascinating. Uh, Dr. Lori, we have a customer that we just absolutely love and adore. We love all our customers, but this particular one, I love listening to her because she's very good at, she's smart and she sets, she does things her way, which I absolutely love. And we've built her a custom chicken coop. We've done a goose house. She has horses. She's just, she's awesome with her animals. And it's down in, when I say Southern Alabama, you can be to the ocean in about five minutes. And when I last went out there to film without actually working, but we went there to film to get ready for another job coming up, I have never experienced humidity like I did in my life. And I'm telling you, we've worked in Florida. We've been down the Everglades. There was something about here. The humidity was awful. So we did a bunch of filming. And when I was walking around behind her coop, sure enough, you, you did you not bring I your own? I bring a pen. You, you need I to do your homework. I of things. Good. Um, she had an AC unit. She had an air conditioner in the back of her hen house. I'm like, oh, hell no. What is she doing? She don't need to do that. But I was like, no. She, if she did that, there was a reason for it. And we ended up filming it. If you haven't seen it, that video just came out. She mentioned something that I was like, oh, I never thought about it. Because we're big fans of, you know, build the structure the right way so that you're mimicking the forest. You got the canopy and then get down. There's lots of room, lots of ventilation. So it's not a pressure cooker, but it still gets really hot. And we all know, and if you don't know this, please, folks, listen to me. Heat kills your chickens. It's not so much the cold. All right. So many people get obsessed with the cold temperatures. But when I walked in there, one of the things about air conditioning is it is a dehumidifier and it makes it so much more comfortable. And she said, Matt, it's a lot about getting humidity down. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not bad. Um, Dr. Lori, can you what what would be your thoughts to that about? And I'm not saying that is necessary, but if you are in a very hot climate um, could you see that turning into a negative effect or is it like, no, no, as long as it's set up right, it, it could actually, I could see that being beneficial to a chicken. It's an interesting idea. Um, I've never, I mean, chickens and birds in general can overheat when it's super, super hot. 
So there's two issues. There's heat and there's humidity. So I'm a big fan of circulating air. Um, I think stagnant air, particularly when it's really, really humid, you know, promotes a lot of fungal growth. And we see a, a bad fungus called aspergillosis, which can affect chickens and kill them. They're really sensitive to it. And if the air isn't circulating and you've got a lot of moisture hanging out in the air, um, aspergillosis hangs out in dust. So dust lands on a moist surface and then you get fungal growth. I don't know. I've never really seen an air conditioner. I've seen fans circulating the air so that you don't have all that like moisture on surfaces. I mean, I guess if it's super, super hot and you're, you know, your chickens are panting and they're, you know, that kind of thing. But I think you can probably do the same thing with just circulating air, not worrying so much about, you know, breaking up the humidity basically as a, and moving the air around and not necessarily changing the temperature but it's interesting i mean everyone has a reason i guess so so you would recommend fans i like fans moving air around where you have a lot sorry and where you have stagnant air um i think you know hopefully most of us live in places where the way you've designed the coops in general there's a lot of air circulating there's cross ventilation which i think is really really important um and we do see a lot of disease when there's a lot of stagnant air and dust um, but you also have to be careful that you're not, you know, blowing stuff around that now you've stimulated a lot of mm. stuff in the air that you can breathe in because their, their, their respiratory tracts are really sensitive to stuff in the air, aerosolized like dust and particles and things like that. So you have to design it carefully if you're going to use a fan. So that's interesting. And this reminds me of like growing coral. You forget when you grow coral, you have to have the ocean come in and then come out. It kind of brings in nutrients and then it takes the waste away. When we talk about trees before coops were invented or we talk about chickens before coops were invented, they're up in the trees. They're actually going higher. One of the things I love about our coops, it's not much, but just whatever. Um, when they're up higher, you have more ventilation. It's like going up into the tree and they do have that air movement. Um, so we have talked about fans and we have installed fans and it's mainly more to get that exchange so that it's not stagnant so that is a word that i despise is when there's stagnation because that can harbor and cause all kinds of problems and when we have had customers and i learned this lesson one day i'll never forget this they put ceiling fans inside their chicken coop uh when they turned it on and when it happened to me in my garage it made sense. They went running. And I'm like, what in the world? I was like, oh, they thought it was a predator. They thought it was a hawk. So I would never recommend ceiling fans. But what we do love about our structures is there's so much cross ventilation so that they should naturally convect. So we're not talking, unless, and correct me if I'm wrong, when we say ventilation and air movement, maybe just, you know, it's blowing like crazy, like Dr. Hess just said. You don't want disturbance. So we would kind of, if we do have potential high humidity or stagnation, even with the windows open, and God knows she has lots of windows, they were open, but down in the deep south, I, I mean, just to breathe was horrific. So I could see maybe... Just keeping it so the air is moving so it's not so much to kick up dust, but it's not. Well, there is natural movement in a in a house or in a chicken house when you have the ridge. Right. Up, you know, the air naturally rises and yeah i'm just i'm just trying to think here because i can only imagine because we know the comments that we get after the show and so i just want to be clear that we're not talking about maybe having gusts of wind but no nothing like that and and you you know you said it i mean i've actually seen really horrible injuries where ceiling fans go on and we think oh they're way way and you know chickens or or birds in general get spooked and they jump up 
And I've actually seen head injuries. So mm. if you're going to put any kind of fan at all, I would recommend putting kind of like a mesh cover over it so that there are no blades exposed. You don't want chickens, you know, jumping or hitting them. Um, and I also think one nice thing about your coops, and you asked me why I, I chose your coop. Um, I have, I'm excited to have a cupola, a cupola in the coop. Um, and, you know, to have that circulating here too. So any way that you can get air circulating where it's safe air, you don't need, as you said, some crazy current of air, just circulating air so that there's fresh air and, and there's air moving through. It doesn't have to be at high speed. Safe air. Stealing it, stolen, love it. I am going to use that so many because that's what I'm trying to say. There is safe air, and that's actually what our coops are doing just naturally. Um, interesting. Okay, right. so moving on, we got lots of questions. Lots of Thank questions. you so much for that. I'm glad right. I got that off my chest. So sand bad and air conditioners, interesting. Okay, moving on. Kathy says, we have a pullet that started laying in November. She's on layer feed and oyster shell always. Every five to seven days, she lays a thin, soft shell egg. Is there anything we can do to get normal eggs? Well, the first thing that I think of when she's laying the thin, soft-shelled eggs is that she's not getting enough calcium. Yeah. So remember, it's not just a matter of eating enough calcium. As we said before, it's oh. about that sunlight. It's about that vitamin D. You must have sunlight. Sunlight makes you make vitamin D in your skin, same as us. That's why all you know, all those people like people like me are in the Northeast are sitting inside, and we all have you know osteoporosis in our bones because we're not getting enough sunlight. <laughs> but your chicken is the same way. So if your chickens are inside and they're not getting enough light, and remember, November daylight cycles get shorter. You need about fourteen or. So so hour, um, hours of sunlight a day to have enough uh, sunlight to lay healthy eggs. So, you know, it, it is natural for chickens to lay fewer eggs during the fall and the winter time. But if you're seeing a thin shelled eggs, that's that's something's going on. So I would make sure that they're, she's really eating that oyster shell grit. We put it out and we assume they're eating it, but we don't really know that. So pay a lot of attention to that. Make sure they're, they're getting uh, enough sunlight. If you're really seeing particularly if there's more than one uh, bird that's getting thin-shelled eggs, laying thin-shelled eggs, there could be something else going on. So I would make all those changes, light, oyster shell, you know, all that, and then just see what happens. If it, if it keeps happening, it may be that there's something going on inside that chicken that you can't see from the outside. Plus, she's pretty young, so sometimes they, they have a few misfires when they're when they're young. So I think it's time well. for rapid fire. We are okay. almost coming up to, and there's so many great questions so like this one. Here. I would love to hear about sh the short answer for this. Well, no, 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 not to be short. No, no, no. I, I we Can you're doing what, great. I'm going to read the question. I'm going to read the question for um for the podcast. Can you talk about the benefits of fermenting feed? Is mold a concern if this is not done correctly? The answer is yes. Mold is a concern if that's not done correctly. I mean, I I don't know. People do ferment feed. I'm not really a big fan because I do worry about bacteria and mold. Um, I think fresh food is a better choice. Um, you know, there's there are things that can ferment, like um, you know bedding uh, and and using you know um, the deep layer system, the deep litter system, and uh, and um, litter can ferment safely. But I don't know that I would recommend feeding fermented food because there is a big risk for mold and bacteria. That's just oh my, my opinion. That's so interesting because there are people that swear, swear by, by it. it. Yeah. See, okay, so it was, it was personal. I appreciate you offering your water. I'm like, they're not listening to me. They're just punking me. But I was like, I'm going to put someone really to the test that I knew would not fail on me. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. The other thing, um, Lori, was that I because people have talked about fermented feed and, and making it their feed go longer, but 
I mean, birds store the food in their crop during mm -hmm. the day. So in a sense, the benefits of fermented feed, they're actually doing that naturally, aren't they, in a sense? Because mm -hmm. the feed is, and they, they digest it overnight. So they're almost like self-fermenting. Right. You would almost <laughs> screw up their process, right? Yeah, I mean, again, when they take it into their crop, that's the first part of digestion. Their first enzymes are released in that crop, and they do start digestion there, and then it's a slow process, and then it moves down through the rest of them. So I don't know other than, yeah, it would be really nice to have your food bills and, and you know, make your feed last longer, but I'm a big fan of fresher food is healthier. Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I don't know. I, I'm just... I think it's better to just give them fresh food than to ferment. But again, okay. my opinion. Um, this Oh, you want to read this, Matt? Because I've had the same oh, problem. Oh, no, you read it for the podcast. Pa apparently when I read it, it's not good enough for the podcast. So go ahead. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Fish and Matt Ryan says, my hens are pecking off some white paint that has been peeling off the shed in the backyard. Will they be okay? I know I got to paint, paint it, but I haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, so I'm not a super big fan of pecking paint because we just never know in particular that paint doesn't have lead in it. Um, we know chickens like to peck at everything. They're not necessarily the brightest animals in the whole world as much as we love them. Um, and if it's if it's peckable, particularly if it's shiny, they will eat it. Um, mm -hmm. If that is an older you know, shed that has lead in that paint, they can get lead poisoning really, really easily. So if you can't paint it, maybe block it. Just put something in front of it so they can't get to that's, it. That's what I had to do. Somebody started like pecking the side of the house. And then once they got us, somebody started it, then they were all doing it. And you could hear it inside the house. So we, so now we have this plywood in front of the house, so they can't. Because once they start getting a piece of it, then then yeah. they all start. Yeah, you know, insulation like styrofoam insulation, uh, just the yeah. same. Yeah, horrible. They go nuts. Um, yes, sir. Is Ellie or Ellie? So no. she she says, could you talk about ducks also? Like we we can't really do that generally, but I I do want to bring something up because I I need to hear it, even though I feel we beat this to the death. Um, and we've confirmed that we do like a, a, a thing that we make, but I, why not take the opportunity to get another vet to approve or disapprove? You know, don't try to, you know, tell us what you think we, we want to hear, uh, cause we're here cause we need your expertise. But what I'm getting at is ducks. Ducks are becoming very popular, uh, for many reasons. I love them. The, the eggs are the, I think even better than chicken eggs, but ducks are messier. But here at Carolina Coops, what we're always trying to do is... Allow people to have an animal that they would normally think they couldn't, but set it up so that they're not working harder than they have to. But ducks can get tricky, especially because when we think of ducks, we think of water. And what I have learned is that it is possible to have ducks as long as without a body of water, but as long as they can clean their face, their nares, that they got to get in to their, their nostrils to be able to clean that out, which is what they would do naturally when they're swimming, that you can have ducks in a chicken coop kind of setting, if you will, but not obviously going up to the room. They got their own duck house. But we have a device called a duck dipper. And the idea is that it's a large basin of water. It's a stainless steel kitchen sink. And we have a barrier in front of them that they can stick their head through, but it allows them to stick their head in and they, they, can, they shake it and they will try to drink or whatever. And it's not meant to, for them to drink the water there. It's just so they can at least get their head in and swim without making a huge mess and having to clean it every day. So hopefully it makes sense what I'm saying. Would you or would you disagree that a duck dipper is beneficial? What would be your thoughts there? Yeah, I've seen, uh, again, having been a fan of your videos, I've actually seen how you set it up. And I think the major thing with ducks is, yes, they need to, they like to eat 
while they're floating. That's a behavioral thing. They also need to be off their feet because they get pressure sores. They get bumblefoot even more than chickens do. So they are built and made to float on water where they're, where there's no pressure on their feet. So they need to sit in a body of water and it doesn't have to be a lake. I mean, you know, you can do all kinds, you can have a kiddie pool. Um, and you can arrange your, your coop so that, and I know you have some great, um, I don't know exactly what it's called, but again, the duck dipper places where chickens, uh, where ducks can actually sit and get off their feet. Um, the major thing that I think is important is I love ducks and I love chickens. I don't love housing them together. And that's the one thing I'm going to say that particularly now um, with avian influenza as a big problem, ducks can carry avian influenza without any signs at all, and they can spread it to chickens. So um, I love them both, and you can have them on your property. I would probably just separate them. So have your duck house and have your chicken house, um, and you know, and keep them separate. But you do not have to have a lake to have ducks successfully. I agree. Perfect. Okay. So, and then, yeah, I mean, there's always that risk. And like, I also see Fisher Matt Ryan asking, you know, okay, I have a rain system. I'm collecting rainwater, migratory birds, water birds are swimming over. They defecate, get the defecation yeah. on the roof. And then let's say they have avian flu and then it gets into their water. Is that safe? Is it not safe? And I think about my old earth science teacher, the solution to pollution is dilution. You know, maybe there yeah. is a benefit now to have the 50 gallons of water because it won't be as concentrated. But could you talk about that real quick when it comes to the avian flu and the water system if you're collecting rainwater yeah i mean listen birds are going to walk outside i mean the water's on your grass too so unless you're going to keep them locked in the hen house you can't you can't completely insulate your chickens um but you can do things to try to prevent wild birds from landing in the middle of your flock as they're sitting in their you know in their run or whatever or, or free-ranging like i said i'm going to set mine up so that i have a mesh system and you can do it and you guys have some great suggestions I, i've talked to your staff about it um so that it can look really really nice and that you can use you know very fine hardware cloth so that it kind of fades away and you don't see it um, but it does protect against predators. It protects against those animals. Um, it, it doesn't prevent droppings, but it certainly prevents a large dropping from falling down right in the middle of your um, your run. So, you know, you just use common sense. I mean, you just don't want to have your chickens out where there's lots of waterfowl because waterfowl are pretty much the, the main spreaders right now uh -huh. of avian flu. And it is something you really want to protect yourself against. It's kind of all over the country. It doesn't mean you can't have great chickens. You can. You just want to think a little bit about it. It, you know, and, and use some kind of <laughs> um, Oh, it is one o'clock. We can continue. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, if you're just joining us, we are live February 9th, 2024. Uh, Dr. Lori Hess here. That is just a wealth of knowledge, avian expert, taking so much time out of her busy schedule to answer any of your uh, chicken questions or maybe duck questions. Uh, so please, if you have those questions, now is the time. Uh, we will continue the rapid fire. And oh, please bring that one in. Yeah. All right. This is a big one. Uh, may I read this one for the pot? Or would you like to? No, we can go. Okay. <laughs> what are the pros and cons for vaccinating and which vaccines would you recommend especially if showing chickens all right so there's a lot there so let's start right off the bat vaccinating pros and cons and which well the big one is Marek's disease i do not know why anyone would not get a Marek's vaccinated chicken we see Marek's disease a lot it is preventable um it had the chicks have to be vaccinated either in the egg or during the first day of life 
So if you're getting your chickens, hopefully you're getting your chickens from a reputable place where they really pay attention. But it costs like, I don't know, 10 cents more to get a chick that's vaccinated for Marrick's. And if you don't do it, you could lose your whole flock. So that is the most important vaccine. Um, in terms of other vaccines, there are a lot of diseases out there and some of them are vaccinatable against and some are not. Um, I'm probably going to say something unpopular right now. Um, I am a huge fan of chickens. Um, I'm not a big fan of showing chickens these days because of the avian flu. Um, there it's, there's avian flu, but there's also a whole host of other diseases that you can bring in. And in, in good chicken medicine, it's kind of all in and all out. So you get your birds and you get them all at the same time and ideally close to the same age and you don't mix ages and you keep them together and you try to prevent them from being, you know, interacting with chickens on another farm. Um, because there are a lot of diseases that we see asymptomatic carriers. So, you know, some chickens are carrying diseases and they're not affected, but they can, you know, spread it on their feathers and on their respiratory tract secretions and stuff if they cough or sneeze. And, you know, that's why if you are going to visit a show or another person's farm, you really want to disinfect your clothes and your shoes and stuff like that, because that's how it's spread. Lots of diseases, not necessarily just avian flu. So I would recommend you talk to your vet about your particular situation, about, you know, how many chickens you have and are you bringing in more at different times? Are there different ages? Because that affects whether we vaccinate too. Um, but uh, across the board, Marix is the one that I recommend by far for every chicken owner. So you mentioned vaccinating in the egg, and for the longest time, bantams couldn't vaccinate because the needle was too long. But supposedly there is a hatchery now that does vaccinate the bantams. Liar. And I was just wondering, is it that they've got figured out how to get a little tiny micro needle, or is are they going into the eggs? <clears throat> so I was just kind of curious about that. I thought that was very fascinating. Uh, I, I don't really know the answer to that, but it's but I know that it's all done before day one and before you get that chick to you, and that's the most important thing is that it's just it gets done. Period. Um, and also, I, someone just did ask about if the rope wrap roost bars can be bought to length. Absolutely, we are yes, specialty just at just just call yeah. us. We can do anything. We get the question a lot: What can you not feed chickens when you're bringing out scraps from the oh, house? And stuff like oh, you're gonna go there. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Well, we know a lot of birds, and, and not not all birds, but we know a lot of birds are very sensitive to avocados. So there's a, a chemical, for lack of a better word, that's in an avocado and, and certain avocados. So we don't really take a risk. Don't recommend feeding avocados. Um, certainly nothing with caffeine in it, nothing with alcohol, no chocolate. Um, you know, oh, my gosh. Those, what? All the good things. I know. Wait, These coffee are the grounds are out? Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so I knew this was going to happen. We invented caffeinated eggs by giving them coffee grounds. Um, so no caffeine. Why no caffeine? Um, it can affect their heart rate. It can really jack. You know how it affects, you know, when you're drinking a big cup of coffee and Hell your heart rate yeah. goes really fast? Well, think about if you throw some coffee grounds in there. I mean, I'm sure that there are some chickens that are fine, but for those that might not be fine, why take a risk? So, oh, my, my chickens will not go out into the yard until I've given them the coffee grounds. Like, uh-uh, I'm not starting my day. Um, <laughs> Anything else? Um, onions and garlic and things like that, super, super spicy things can really upset their GI tract too. So, you know, just use common sense. Things that Okay, are, you know. hold on a minute. No, oh boy, I knew you. Okay, no, I'm glad you went there. 
I was told if you want to have some flavored eggs like onion and garlic in it, feed them onions and garlic, the worst thing that's going to happen is you might taste it in the eggs. I doubt that's true, but it's kind of funny. But you're saying that onions and garlic, and I don't know if they come from the same family or not, but that that can actually affect their digestive system. It can in some. Yeah, we see. I mean, again, if it's like a little piece, not a big deal. But we know if you throw stuff out there, they're all going for it. And, you know, if one goes for it, they're all going for it because they're all very competitive. <laughs> so I'm not a big fan of super, you know, spicy things like that. It, it, they, it can kind of mess up their GI tract sometimes. So I think all the vegetables that you want that are safe, that are not um, super, super spicy or avocado based, I think are safe. Um, there's not a lot of other rules, just caffeine in general and chocolate they, and, and things like that. Can they eat chicken? They can. I know that sounds a little cannibalistic. They love it. They um, love they it. And, and eggs? So they some things that they, okay. yeah, we don't talk about it, but they do. Okay. Is there, is there something to, you know, because some people have their chickens out in the garden and people are worried about toxic plants, but are like, as a whole, are chickens going to avoid things that, are general, I mean, I know if we throw food out to them, that might be a different thing, but just in the wild kind of thing where they be tend to avoid stuff that... How good are their instincts? Yeah. <laughs> Thank well, you, Kristen. I, I tend not to press them. I think that they're just really attracted to things. I mean, they pick up hardware in our yard, right? Like nails and shiny things. So I don't think that they're necessarily <laughs> instinctively the smartest animals. I think that you should do your research. I mean, if you have something that's potentially toxic, you just fence it off. Um, give them safe things to, to play. There's so many things, you know, that they can chew on and branches and leaves that are safe. Um, so I think you, it's all part of doing your research to know. And there are lists online of toxic plants. There are hundreds of them for birds. Just avoid the ones that we know are toxic. Um, and don't take any risk, you know. There's okay. a lot of safe things all right, so we have another question. If you had to recommend a minimum free-range area, what would that area be and look like per hen? Not the, mm-hmm. not to include the run of the coop, but um, just like what what would you well, suggest? Well, I mean, more is better. <laughs> so That's what we always say. Perfect. You know, I think our, our, our sort of like, for an adult chicken, we like to say no less than eight to 10 square feet per chicken. Um, so you want to make sure that you're providing at least en- enough space. But again, they like to go peck and, and check out things and run around. So, um, you know, as large a place as you can provide for them. Um, but I think minimum, minimum space, you know, eight to 10 square feet per chicken, I guess, counting your run. Um, would be the minimum I would feel comfortable with. Um, even if you create vertical space for them, it doesn't all have to be on the ground. You know, if you're creating different heights for them to perch on, that's another thing, you know, that you can create. If you have a small space, if you live in a, like a semi-urban environment and you have a limited area for them, you can create different levels so that they can, you know, find their own spaces off the ground too. That's what I do. I put logs, like stumps and some like little perch bars throughout the coop and they love it they're on it all the time it just gives them something interesting to do too yeah how long do chickens lay and how long do they live um it is very breed specific um i would say you know they're at their high point of laying somewhere between one two ish years of age um depending upon the breed they can lay for years beyond that um on average i would say they can live seven plus years 
Um, but again, it depends on how you take care of them. I mean, if you're not giving them enough calcium and, or they're getting exposed to a lot of, you know, disease and things like that, they're not going to live as long. So, you know, with good care, they can live years and years as they get older, they start to lay fewer eggs, but it really depends on their breed as to how long they can go. All right, so it is one oh nine. Our hard hard deadline is one thirty. But I see, and thank you guys so much for all the questions. There are so we're not even halfway through it. So I thought maybe now's the time to maybe practice a rapid fire. It's it's kind of to be fun and see, uh, you know, the quick boom boom. Because I want to respect everyone that's taking the time to come here. Thank you so much for your questions. These are awesome questions. We have the best audience. Yeah. Uh, such great people. And would just love to uh, maybe start a rapid fire. What do sure. you think? Let's All go. right, but it's still on you. It's your time that is most precious right now. So as quick as you want to answer it, feel free, and we'll just keep on going through it. Okay. So Karsten says, "Is it okay to give popcorn as a treat? Our chickens, our kittens, and chickens eat them together." Okay. Yes, it is. Just don't salt it. No, not a lot of butter. Just a small amount, not an excessive pile. Oh boy, I'm bombing <laughs> on this food thing today. <laughs> Question: How do chickens in the wild change their diet to adjust to their developing nutritional needs? Remember, the chickens in the wild are exposed to a lot of different things during different seasons, different berries, different bugs. You know, it's not the same thing all the time. So in balance, they get a more balanced plane of nutrition because the seasons change and the nutrients in their area change. So that's why it's really important that when we provide food for them, we provide good nutrition across the board and not, you know, rely on, on uh, the same thing all the time. Okay, hold on. Time out, time out, time mm -hmm. out. We've got to stop the clock for a second. Hold on. So I love this question. Oh, Susan Ingrid.com. You got yourself Stop a shirt. saying that. I love this question <laughs> because I There's think unless I read it wrong, I don't care if I dig. So this is my question now, but I think this is what she means. You because we always talk about what did chickens do before coops, right? When chickens are out in the wild and we love, especially that mama hen, you hear her talk differently to the baby chicks. She's protecting them. She's teaching them. She's cleaning them. How do they know, just like, you know, we have to develop the, these baby chicks. We're feeding them high protein because they're growing. And all of a sudden at 21 weeks, right to the minute, we're going to switch them over to a higher calcium. In the wild, I mean, are you saying that they don't know to switch it? It's just the variety is for everyone. And, you know, I mean, no, or, they, do they know to switch? They have much more available to them in the wild. It's like a smorgasbord of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they've got all these insects. They've got all these worms they've got different vegetation they have you know and they overall they take in a better plane of nutrition i mean that's why it's so important that if you give them a pelleted or crumble diet that it's appropriate to their age obviously if they're little you know and they're growing um their nutritional requirements are going to be very different from if they're older and they're you know slowing down and they're not as mobile or they're not making so many eggs so they know how to do that we just have to make sure that if we're putting them in a coop and they're not free ranging and, and having access to all this stuff that we're providing them with the, the right life stage diet. Okay. So wait, so what you're saying is as long as there's such a, a, a variety of food, they'll get what they need. Not yes. so much that they go, okay, I'm 21 weeks old now. I'm switching over to the calcium. Oh, those grubs look good, but can't do it anymore. Right. I mean, it's just that there's a variety. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So, you know, you just brought up another question. This should be a T-shirt. Do you pellet or do you crumble? What is your <laughs> recommendation for when it comes to the, you know, let's say egg layer mash, uh, crumbles or pellets? 
I think it's a personal preference. I think as long as the nutrition works, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, pellets are a little less messy. Um, it's up to you. But some birds really, really like it. I, I think it doesn't matter as long as the nutritional content is the same. Perfect. Okay, go ahead and start the rapid fire. I just had to chime have, in there real quick. One. Congratulations, can you, Suzanne. Can you overfeed larvae or worms or like mealworms yeah. or ESFL? You can. They're high in protein, and it depends. I mean, chickens love mealworms. It's like crack. It's so much yeah. fun. And don't just feed the dry ones. Feed the live ones, because half the fun of it for them is to, like, catch them and see them and forage and chase okay. them and stuff. Um, but, you know, things like waxworms are super high in fat. They're delicious, but they're very, very high in fat. So limited amounts of that, and you don't want to overdo worms, because there's a lot of protein in them. You know, so and, what, how and much do you think? Them. Like. Um, a little sprinkle so everybody okay. gets it. I mean, treats in general and treats are things like vegetables and things other. I know. I already What's know. the definition of a sprinkle? I can only imagine you're growing soldier fly larvae in your house. Oh, and, no, that, right. that failed like the first week. Oh, I'm just like, you're I'll probably you, just. I'll give you a better, oh gosh, I'll give you a better idea. So treats in general, whether it's a vegetable, anything other than say your this includes like scratch grains and mealworms and veggies. That shouldn't be more than about 5% of their diet. So okay. it's not a lot. Right. Okay. Just a little treat, just like us. And do you have, yeah. do you recommend any preventative treatments for mites or worms for a chicken in a backyard flock, your backyard flock chicken? Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful because we know, particularly if we're eating the eggs, we don't want to use any medications because we're going to ingest them. And that's why there are so many strict regulations about what can be in chicken feed. Um, I, I think in general, if you... Um, if you do things the right way, meaning, you know, you, if they're, if they're in a coop and you scrape off that first, you know, in a, in a run, if you scrape off that first layer of soil that they're using all the time and get rid of it and turn over the soil. So a lot of parasites live in that top inch or two. So if you, if you change that over and rake it out and get rid of it so that they're not constantly eating the same worms that are ingesting all the little parasites that they poop out, um, you can really reduce the parasite load in your chickens. Um, if they're in a small area in your yard, you should be doing the same thing. If you have the luxury of, you know, free ranging them, even uh, like cordoning off different areas so that they could free range in one area during one season, and then you can flip it over and have them free range in another area during, you know, spring, summer, fall kind of thing. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of medicating. Um, it, it just, you know, again, it depends on your situation. And if you're eating eggs, you got to be careful. So you wouldn't do anything just preventatively if you didn't see anything. Like you wouldn't do any medications or dust your chickens or deworm well, them annually or anything like that. Some things like that. I mean, dusting. I don't. I don't. I don't dust my chickens per se unless I see something. Yeah. Um, I'm just. I'm really careful about stuff like that, and a lot of people would disagree with me. No, I, I agree Matt with you. What? I agree. What do you guys? Do? Yeah. I agree, and the same with the chick feed these days. I just. I say unmedicated and treat if there's an issue what do you think about that or do you, well, should you start with medication yeah toxicity is a big deal and yeah. i think for me i'd rather you know a couple times a year check get a bunch of droppings and just run a fecal sample on it and you know test it and make sure that my animals are not having and i'm not seeing like a lot of diarrhea or anything like that um I'm not a big fan of over-medicating because when we over-medicate, we create resistance, right? Um, when you kill off the weakest bad germs, the, the strongest yeah. bad germs persist and they just get stronger. So 
Um, I would rather use unmedicated feed and check periodically, take a sample and check just to make sure there's nothing I need to worry about. Obviously watch for signs of diarrhea or problems, you know, that are obvious and then treat. Um, cleanliness is a big, big thing. Spot checking and keeping things clean and, and getting rid of soiled food and making sure the water is fresh. All of those things are really, really important to preventing a lot of illness. Again, this is a nod to the over protective chicken parent that I am. Well, so I mean, I we got okay. very I mean, validated by un, Lori. Did you say unmedicated <laughs> or medicated What happened to the feed? rapid fire part here? But go ahead. Again, well, I mean, there, there, there are reasons for both. I think it depends on how many chickens you have and how clean okay. you can keep it. Okay. All right. And then what is the definition of clean is a whole other story. But, uh, okay. All right. Question on egg binding. If a hen is eating and pooping regularly but stopped laying for a few weeks, can she be a egg bound? Yes. She can be egg bound, 100%. Um, they still poop and they still eat. It's just, remember, these these things are coming out different places. So <laughs> they have a cloaca, which is like a big chamber. And the egg goes into that chamber and then it goes out the vent, which is the little hole you see. And then they have intestines and they poop into that same cham chamber and then it goes out the vent. But they don't necessarily have to be... Uh, you know, they could be eating and, and seemingly fine for a while, even if they're laying eggs internally. Don asked, what would be the cost of an ultrasound? What would be the cost to ultrasound a chicken? Which I know that that's not really um, fair. Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, it depends <laughs> where you are in the country. Um, and it depends how extensive. I mean, we do it at my practice. And it just depends. Is this like a quick and once over that we do? Or are we spending, you know, half an hour looking? So I, I can't quote that for every veterinarian. Right. It depends where you are. Um, it's a very helpful tool, though, to help us determine if there's eggs stuck inside, you know, short of having to cut open the chicken and look ourselves. So, Right. Kathy asks, how do you give more calcium besides good layer feed and oyster shell? Um, I think oyster shell is what I do. I mean, I don't really, I mean, you can give calcium rich vegetables, things like spinach and kale. I mean, those are rich in calcium too, but oyster shell grit is, is a great way to just, you know, make sure, you know, assuming they're eating it, that they stay in balance with their calcium. And then again, the key point to the calcium whole thing isn't so much how much they're getting. It's the ability to absorb the nutrients, right? That is the part I think a lot of us miss, especially when they are not allowed to free range and they don't get out into the sunlight. Yep. Right. I just want to make sure I got that right because that that's yeah, just yeah, makes 100%. sense. Perfect. I had a I had a Rhode Island red that got older and she was having trouble absorbing calcium, but that was just I mean that was part of her reproductive disease that ultimately um, ended up killing her. But that was that was a symptom of it where she started having the soft eggs. And I took her to the avian and exotic vet, and they, they said that she had, like, a calcium deficiency. So, and it was probably just her body's inability to absorb it over yeah, time. I think there's, there's a good point there that, and I actually have another point that I want to bring up about medicated feed. Um, first, that you do need, there's two kinds of grit, right? There's insoluble grit, which is indigestible grit, right? That's, that's like pebbles and stones. Mm -hmm. And then there is oyster shell grit, which is digestible. In order to digest properly, they do need to have some insoluble, undigestible grit. And as Matt said earlier, you know, you do need to give them, if they're going to be not free ranging, when they're free ranging, they tend to pick up little stones and pebbles and they ingest them and they don't need a lot. They just need a little handful in there, in their gizzard, in their ventriculus, that muscular part of their stomach that grinds up their food. If they're cooped up in a coop, 
um, and they don't go outside and, and peck at the ground, you do need to give them some indigestible grit. Um, and it's just, you know, a, a couple times a week, a little bit in their food or, you know, a little bit for them to peck on. Um, and that will help them digest their food, including the oyster shell that they ingest and digest. So that's- um, I'm sorry, real quick. It was called the ventriculus. Vent- uh, yeah. Okay. So in a nutshell, they have two parts of their stomach. The proventriculus, V-N-T-R-I-C-U-L-U-S, ventriculus, and that's the part of the stomach that releases acids. Like we have acids in our stomach that helps digest, and then food passes from there down through a little narrow funnel, basically, called the isthmus, into the ventriculus, which you know is the gizzard, which is the muscular part that grinds everything up. Okay, okay, let's pause right there for a second. That's actually where I'm going. Is, Is there another name for the gizzard? The ventriculus. The vent. That's that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. From now the on. Ventriculus, and they're like this. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So from now yeah. on, I am not calling them gizzards anymore. I'm calling them. I want ventriculus for dinner tonight. Oh my god, <laughs> I love gizzards. I don't know why people are so grossed out, but oh my, there's something about them that's so good, and that is such an important job. That thing is in there. You know, it's just. You're oh, just man. taking it away from the chickens to eat. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, okay. One thing I wanted to just mention before we get off the topic is there is a vaccine that can be given to young chicks when they're little now, and it prevents coccidia. And if you get chickens that get that vaccine, you're not supposed to give them medicated feed because it actually counteracts the benefits of the vaccine. So for me, I would rather do that. I don't, again, then I'm not worried about potentially ingesting any kind of chemical if I'm eating the eggs, but that's again, just my opinion, but I just want to make that. Hold on. So that's very important because I call it coccidosis, right? And that's the actual, like the after effect of the coccidia that is. How do you pronounce it? Coccidia or the coccidia are the, the 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 parasites, and coccidiosis is the disease. Is the disease so to prevent the coccidiosis, the coccidia? There's actually a vaccine for it now. Is that I didn't know yeah, that. They have, a, they have a. I mean, again, it's something that commercial hatcheries do now, where they give them something when they're very young in the first couple of days, and it helps stimulate their immunity. You know, like we get vaccines when we're really little and babies because our immune systems are so open um, and it helps them develop immunity. It's not a foolproof preventative, but it really helps them be more resistant to coccidia. It's nice. It's good. Okay. All right. Awesome. So let's continue. We're almost to the end of it. I see Ingrid now is just scrolling through. Well, I want to because they're talking amongst themselves. So uh, I want to get to the Which I love that they do that. Yes. Uh, especially the more comments, it helps boost mm-hmm. the show. So, again, thank you guys. So, again, here's your last chance. If you have any more questions, fu- uh, put it in there. Make sure it says question. Uh, we got about maybe about four or five more minutes. Yep. And then Dr. Lori Hess, I promise, will let you go. Thank you so much for your time. I had a couple of my hen get frostbite when we had some extremely cold below zero weather. They seem to be fine. And my question is, how will this affect them when it's hot out this summer? If they're fine now and it's past, it won't affect them at all. And they're probably fine. Um, Frostbite happens, you know, when it happens. So, you you know, if you if you think your chickens have frostbite and they get it on their gizzards and they get it, you know, on their extremities where they don't have um, a lot of protection, um, you don't want to put really hot water on it. You don't want to put cold water, obviously. You just want to put warm, gentle compress. If there's going to be a problem, that 
tissue there is will turn black and will mm-hmm. get crusty and it's really nasty and if you have that then you need to see a vet because it has to be taken off um and then they could heal fine but you don't want to leave that because it can become infected and it's obviously really painful i don't know you know if you've had your fingers and toes exposed it hurts so yeah uh real quick someone says make your duck house a floating duck house we have we um it's a floating duck house. And to me, that's one of the best duck houses. The tricky part is if they start laying eggs in it, how do you pull it in and let it back out? So if anyone is interested for that prototype, let me know. But I just, I love seeing them floating out on the water. Oh, All right. Oh, like oh, geez. Ingrid snagged that mouse from me. Like, yeah. Well, okay. um, <laughs> you know what happens when I give you the controls? Well, I, I feel like I'm kind of to the point where I got to take <laughs> over. Um, I, uh, Don says, I heard raw beans are toxic. Is that true? Um, raw beans, it's not that they're toxic, but a lot of people think that with water, they expand. Um, they, you know, when you sprout beans, they expand and they, if, if a bird eats a lot of them, it can get into their proventriculus, their ventriculus, their stomach and expand and cause a lot of bloating. So it's not something we really like to feed. I should have mentioned that is something you don't want to give, you know, it's it's a no, no. Is that the same thing with oatmeal? Because I know people say, don't give them dry oatmeal because... Once it hits the water, yeah. it will. I mean, not. I think a drop of oatmeal, like a little sprinkle, is probably okay. Mm-hmm. But a big drop of oatmeal does expand, and it can. Mm-hmm. You know, oatmeal gets really hard. You know, when right. you make it and you sit there and it sits in that bowl, it can be really, really hard. So it's not something you want to feed a ton of. Right. Right. Uh, all right, so Fisher Matt Ryan now has asked twice, and uh, we'll just—he definitely deserves the uh, question. How do you prevent poopy butt or pasty butt? But maybe it's not pasty I think butt. He's as talking an, about hens. He's not it's, messy, it's not, messy. No, the messy um, ones on hens. But I'm assuming he's referring to adult hens. Yeah. Uh, yes. So let's talk about that. The adult hens hates cleaning those dingleberries. Funny, almost a T-shirt. I see where he's going with it. But yeah, I've seen that where it's like they got exploding diarrhea. I'm not some sure if it's really. Some of them do, and some of them don't. Like some uh, of them yeah. go their whole So life how do we prevent it? Yeah, there's different reasons, obviously. I mean, diarrhea could mean parasites. And if you see persistent diarrhea in a hen um, or in more than one hens, then you might have parasites. And that's something, again, that I would recommend you take a sample and you have your vet check because, you know, not all parasites are the same. And we don't use the same anti-parasitic drugs for all parasites. They're they're very specific. Um, But remember, too, that as I described before, there's that, that vent, that opening to the cloaca, that big chamber where everything kind of dumps, including eggs and poop and everything else before it comes out. When birds are laying, when chickens are laying, they will often, you know, have that egg will block that cloaca and they'll retain a lot of poop behind it. So until Mm. they lay that egg, there's a lot of poop in there. And then when the egg comes out, a lot of poop has been sitting in there, stored there for a little longer than it normally would. And then it comes out and it's kind of a mess, right? So if it's reproductive poop and it happens right after the egg, it could be totally normal. But if it's like all the time and you see it pacing up their butt, that's something that's not normal and you should have that checked out. Uh, Kathy asks, why would a chicken lay an egg when roosting at night? Our chicken camera caught a pullet laying off roost at 1 a.m. So 1 a.m., it's like, ah, time to lay this egg. Is that normal? Who knows? They do what they want to do. As long as it's a normal egg, doesn't matter. I mean, maybe they were, you know, just not focused enough to yeah. lay earlier on. I had I've no had wrong. some overnight eggs yeah. that you find in the in the hemp, for sure. Yeah, nothing wrong with when they lay. As long as it's it's a, a solid shell, it's not wrinkled, it's not shellless. I, I'm not worried. Can chickens throw up, or is it really only one way in and one way out? 
no, they can throw up and they shouldn't throw up. And if they're throwing up a lot, then there's probably something going on in the crop. Or as we talked all about egg binding, you know, if you have a whole bunch of eggs stuck inside and they're in your overduct inside your reproductive tract and that's pushing on your stomach, your ventriculus and your proventriculus, it can cause you to have everything up, you come up the other, the other way. So they can't throw up. Can I have ventriculus tonight for dinner, please? It sounds so good. Now nah, I just walked in. I mean, Danny already think now I got my water. All right, yeah. So I, I didn't this is Okay. Question. Yawning. I've seen my bantam do this twice in total. Her comb is red. She's still laying. Her poop looked good. It freaks me out when she does this. I didn't I didn't see the question there. That's well the why question sometimes like when, when they like open their mouths, because they're not mouth breathers normally right. so sometimes chickens will like open their mouth and look like they're yawning and i think that's what she's referring to because i've seen yeah. chickens do that i mean an occasional yawn is not a big deal if they're open mouth breathing where they're like you know gasping and their mouth mm -hmm. is consistently open i mean that could be a sign of a reproductive problem it could be a sign of pain it could be something that's pressing on their airways i mean maybe they do have a bunch of eggs stuck on the, in there you know pressing on their airways their lung their trachea their you know all that stuff so again persistent open mouth breathing not good have checked out occasionally yawn eh, if they're otherwise seemingly fine i wouldn't be really overly concerned i all see right. a lot of thank yous Yes, people right love. Thank you for joining us too. All right, so this will be the last question. Thank you guys so much. Does DE help prevent internal parasites? So we've talked about this, Dr. Lori. What do you say? Um, I think DE diatomaceous earth is better for external parasites. Um, people eat it, believe it or not. There's human grade diatomaceous earth that people mm -hmm. eat that supposedly has some effect. I think. It's not the be-all to end-all. I mean, I've seen chickens that live with diatomaceous earth still get parasites. It doesn't hurt, um, but I think that keeping your clean, keeping your coop clean, your run clean, spot cleaning, fresh water, fresh food, keeping your food off the ground, making sure that things are not crawling up into your feeders, um, those are better ways to prevent than relying on diatomaceous earth. Awesome. So as I was going to say, you guys are taking my thunder today. Um, Dr. Lori Hess, I don't know if you see all the comments coming in. This is probably one of the first times I've seen this many thank yous and I can't thank you enough. So everyone, please give Dr. Lori a huge thank you for your time being here. It was an absolute treat today. I hope we get to do this again. Um, would yeah, we'd love to absolutely do that. Uh, thank you again for your time. Thank you for your business. Again, there is no bigger compliment than when a veterinarian, especially an expert with avians, uh, avian expert, mm -hmm. got to get that one better, um, is, a, is a purchaser of one of your products where yeah, we try to provide you. this product to solve the problems. And again, uh, Ingrid is pointing to something, but I do want to make sure that everyone, <laughs> I, I don't know what she's pointing to, but one the of the things, huh? the name of the book yes yeah, so absolutely so if you guys can you're looking for some great reading material uh tell us about the book if you wouldn't mind real quick sure it's a memoir it's all the crazy stories i've been a veterinarian for 30 years and it's all the crazy stories of all the crazy animals some of them are really unbelievable some of them are really heartwarming and touching but it's it's a memoir and i think you'll be amused it's, it's an easy read awesome and what is the name of it um, it is called Unlikely Companions, The Adventures of an Exotic Animal Doctor. 
Perfect. All right, we'll definitely put the link in. We definitely will. Awesome. It'll be on Thank our. You. It'll live on our website with our products we love. Thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome. No we appreciate you. Yes. Thank you so Thank much. You, you are much. the best. I hope. Ooh, I can't wait till we can do this again. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Okay. Um, that was awesome. Yeah, I love it when we learn stuff. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, is that's what's important. It is mm. critical that you learn. If you're in a business and you're not learning, you're failing. Uh, and it is one of the most important things. You cannot put a price tag on learning. And that's something that we preach all the time. I tell everyone, even when we made mistakes, you learn. Yeah. And, you know, mistakes do cost money. But it, I guess it's perspective. If you learned, it's just you just can't put a price tag on it. So I absolutely love it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Looks like you guys did. I loved yeah. how so many people are taking the time to say thank you. Uh, that was absolutely awesome. What did great. you, what was the most important thing you felt that you learned? Well, I didn't know that, that they're not taking in the calcium unless they get vitamin D. And it makes sense. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know because it is common sense. But it's nice to hear it articulated because it is, it is important. And... I wanted to ask if the solid roof run would cause an issue with that, but I don't think it would because the sun does come in on the sides Absolutely. and you see the chickens like taking so their I, little I sun thought, bath. I thought about like that. that. I thought about that and we probably should, maybe we can save it for next time. But again, free ranging, so yeah. important. I tell people all the time, yes, you can never have a big enough run, but nothing's more important than free ranging. However, what I love about our coops, because of how tall they are, yeah. they get the ability to have sunlight just like they would if they're at the edge of the forest or, or whatever. Um, they have the ability to go and get sun. And think about what chickens do now in the middle of the day. They come in and get out of the sun. Mm -hmm. So, But if you got one of those really, really small coops that have a solid roof run, the chances of them getting the ability to have enough sunlight is not going to be there. So if they're not getting that vitamin D, they're not getting that bridge so the calcium can pass over that bridge and get into their, their system so they get the proper nutrients. So I agree. That was one of my things I took yeah. away from that. I was like, yeah. I love that she said she didn't like the sand in the run. Oh, my gosh. Love oh, God. That. If I could. I didn't want to get a little too crazy, but that was huge because that is one that drives me nuts because there are so many people that will swear up and down they must be on sand and here she just said even more reasons why it's actually a negative effect yeah. ingrid's looking at me like man i've been telling you that for years but and i love that she encouraged um healthy natural living yes like we don't need to do a whole lot yes because that's the thing too i've seen especially with western medicine um and i know i and she's wonderful i know sometimes when you go into see a vet I leave there thinking, oh, my God, I'm the worst pet owner ever. Like, they just hammer all this medicine, this and that. But it is about prevention. And if you just keep it natural, you don't have to always be treating, treating, treating. Especially, yeah. you know, we got into in-depth with the uh, apple cider vinegar. Again, I'm just really like, need to do it. how many times do we tell people less is more? Just as long as you got the right setup, it just you don't have to keep doing all this yeah. stuff. Like, you got to put... Um, was one of them that you got to put these herbs in the nesting material get out of here are you kidding me right now but all right um i do have some things we got to say again i know we're at 136 oh, really? i well well no. I, I can i just interrupt before Please. i forget suzanne um it's ingrid dot com at, stop it <laughs> it's ingrid at carolina com. just send me your sh address shirt size shirt preference 
Yes, I just I love that question. I thought it was a great question. Um, all right, so here again, I just need to go on record, give you guys some updates. I am I don't get scared very easily, but you know, I, I actually this doesn't scare me, but I just I'm aware that anytime you make a major change, there's gonna be bumps in the road. We're doing everything we can to make sure the transition is as smooth smooth as possible. And there have been some customers that thank you for paying attention. Yes, we are going to be switching to the acre. The decision has been made. This material has been absolutely awesome. Um, we in the marketing department, Ingrid, Paul, uh, we it's time. We have got to start getting some information out there so we can teach customers why we're switching to this so they can learn more about it. Every day, it's like we learn something new about this acre material that's just been absolutely amazing. So we are definitely making the right move, but it is a lot more expensive. Uh, what we are doing, as always, is trying to make sure we don't have to increase prices if we don't have to. There have been many situations, so many th uh, things that we have learned by switching all to acre, it's actually going to save a lot on labor. And if we're able to reduce the labor, that keeps the cost down. So hopefully it ends up being a wash. But I can tell you, if you are right now listening to this show, um, and February 9th, 2024, if it's 2026, mm -hmm. okay, you're a little late, but um, we are going to switch to this and it's how we switch. And when we switch is going to be a little bit tricky, but it is going to happen. And you will always, how can I say this while getting yelled at? I, I, here's one of the things that we need to hear what people think you this is stainable and it does kind of look like wood you know from a distance you would think it's wood but if you are someone that wants that all natural wood look with the grain and you want to switch to it uh, <laughs> take a shot um you will always have the option to go to a real lumber i don't know if we're going to keep uh the three-eighths ply in stock it, it would just go to what we do now with all the craftsman coops it would be true solid board and bat so that will still be an option yeah so somebody had asked wait no more douglas fir that's not we oh still, no, no we're yeah, still no. gonna have the douglas fir for framing for framing mm -hmm. great yeah so i gotta i gotta make sure i yeah. mentioned that yes the bones the douglas fir you don't get any better than this yeah. are you kidding me this stuff is great so we're gonna keep this but we're gonna be switching all to acre for the siding for so, the trim and the high density Oh, and this is going to replace the high density. Yeah, I actually thought that's where people are going to freak out the most or not. Um, this is going to work just like high density. High density, I've said it for years, is way overkill, but it's the psychological mm -hmm. part of it. Uh, this is completely waterproof. You cannot, this cannot rot. Uh, it is, termites will not try to eat it. It is almost, again, too good to be true, but because we're buying in sheet goods, it's just, it's a game changer in production. And it is 51% rice hull. 35% PVC, and then the rest is the magical ingredient. So it is meant to last a lifetime. And L says it stains very nicely. It really soaks it up, but you need definitely need two coats, but she says it stains very nicely. And you do need certain types of stain, but yes, because of how consistent it is, if you stain softwood, it's going to get blotchy. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't stained Acre yet. I don't think we have. I thought you did everything to it. Chewed well, it. it was a solid stain. We might have. It. We actually might have stained. Now, yeah, I'm picturing it. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it was like a natural stain. I think we actually we did, and we were like, wow, that actually looks good. I don't know. We've done so much. I mean, three years now we've been testing this material. It's just been absolutely phenomenal. So I just want, again, public service announcement. We will be switching to this. If you are in the market for a chicken coop, and you're like, man, I definitely want the acre, let your salesperson know because um, then you just... I don't know when the switch is yeah. going to be. The manu soon, in the next few months. Yeah, the manufacturer said they will rush it, so it's just going to be an interesting transition. So somebody asked if it would warp the acre. So, okay. It's very and, stable. I mean, yeah, it's a very stable material, 
But when it comes to when we're talking about warping, you can have, I mean, all the way down to the thinnest we're going to have is three-eighths. This is a half inch here. But it can bow and move. But when you're building things, you make it so that it holds it true. So that's not going to be an issue. So hopefully that makes sense. It's actually been way more stable than um, uh, real wood. It's been absolutely incredible. Do you have anything else to get off your chest? Um I, I feel like there is. This has been one hell of a week, and there was. You say that every week. Well, I mean, listen. So, Danny, we all. Danny's been on a couple shows uh, quickly. This and that. She's been answering all the phones. Uh, she's ready to step into her long-time permanent job uh, purchasing, which is going to help us out tremendously. So we have a new person that's going to answer the phones next week. Uh, can't wait to get started on that. So that is coming. I hope that's going to help us. And I'm really hoping to get back to doing more on social media. We, uh, ever since Alabama took our last social media person, I'm hoping that's going to change. So any ideas out there, please let us know. Right, guys? Right. And if you want to do a call out again for reluctant spouse videos oh, so i was and i, I was going to say that i was going to end with that mm-hmm. um i do love that uh fish and matt ryan i don't know if i should say this he said he, his wife's more than lo- welcome to do it but only if we do an interview with them and that's ultimately i think what we should do is that if you had a reluctant spouse and then you have a story that you would like to share with us please send us a video to ingrid.com and oh my god <laughs> you better buy that like <laughs> we should at least check to see what it is <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good idea. Um, uh, we want to do a video of talking about the reluctant spouse. I would love to share some true stories, but we're going to have to go through. Uh, you know, I hope we get a lot of them, and then we'll pick maybe like five or six or 12 of them. And then eventually, yeah, do that interview yeah. with them uh, recorded probably. And that's Ingrid at CarolinaCoops.com. <laughs> or, I mean, somebody have sent them through um, uh, Facebook. The best, The best way would really be to upload them to like a Google Drive and send me a link because a, a good file is going to be a big file and you usually can't email that and it will come yeah. as, a, as a link and then we can download it and um, that would be the best. But if you want to just, however you want to get like your... You, right, hold on. You know what? And Chopperdale says, uh, tell my husband, if we have the reluctant spouse right now, let's do that. Maybe we can convince them. Oh my god. That's your jam, isn't it? I love it. Love it. Are you kidding me? Um, I would actually love to maybe even do that story. It's like, okay, let's come on the show. Tell us what you're reluctant about. Uh, but anyways, okay. Yeah, it is 143. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we will see you next week, right? Because right. I know someone's planning a birthday getaway, but next week is someone's birthday. Um, oh, so I didn't. Yeah, I, didn't. I was thought we'd play the game. Can you guess Kristen's age? Because I know no one's gonna get it right. I mean it as a compliment. Don't take that wrong. Uh, don't get mad at me. But um, want to make sure we don't miss next week's show. Okay. All right. Uh, what's going on for next week's show? Speaking of it, I don't know. I, no I'm idea. Lucky, I'm lucky I got through this week. <laughs> this was such a fun show. All right. Well, we'll <laughs> see you guys next week. Have a wonderful weekend. Go. San Fran. We're going to root for San Fran. I'm sick and tired of seeing the Chiefs win. Later. <laughs>